Welcome to Prepare to Care, the ARP podcast with resources and tools to support the millions of family caregivers who provide unpaid care to their loved ones. I'm Marie Pierre, your host for this podcast. For our listeners who may not know, June is Gay Pride Month. Communities around the country celebrate the contributions of the LGBT community through parades and festivals, and Houston is no different. However, caring for a loved one who identifies as LGBT carries its unique challenges, from discrimination in nursing homes and doctor's offices, to being estranged sometimes from family members who traditionally provide caregiving support. So, in honor of Gay Pride Month, we've invited Richard Gamez, who leads the Montrose Center's Senior Preparing for Rainbow Years, which is called SPRY. That's a cool name. Um, um, as part of the SPRY program, um, Richard will share his experiences as a caregiver, tell us about the resources that are available to seniors at the Montrose Centers, and challenge us to think a little bit differently about caregiving for our LGBT community. Coming up on Prepare to Care. So, Richard, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank so, you. Richard, we talked a little bit before the before the podcast, and you shared that you are a caregiver. Yes. For your partner. For my partner for thirty two years. So, tell us a little bit, like how how did you get there? Um, a couple of years ago, my partner started having some um, illnesses that were back to back, one thing after another, and I needed to take time to take care of him. Along the way, he developed cancer, which Ultimately, I had to leave my job to become a full-time caregiver. Um, and in that process, as he got better, I actually took him to the Montreux Center, to the program SPRY, um, where I ended up getting the job. I was asked, you're good with the seniors, you work here, would you like to work here? And uh, that that's really it. I, it was one of those things, you stumble into something good without even knowing it. So, so, so what is SPRY? It's a program by something called the Montrose Center. Number one, what is the Montrose Center for those of us who don't know? Okay, so the Montrose Center is the fifth largest mental health and behavior nonprofit, specifically dealing with the LGBTQ community. Okay. Uh, SPRY is one of its uh, programs for seniors. Called, the acronym stands for Seniors Preparing for the Rainbow Years. Okay. So what it basically is, it's a drop-in center for seniors. It's three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays from nine to one. So we offer socialization, we offer a place for seniors to meet. Uh, at 12, we do congregate meals those three days, but in between there, we also offer other activities. On Fridays, we usually have an event, one kind of event, whether it's a movie day, uh, art day, game day. And then on the second Thursday of the month, we do what's called potlucks. We have a potluck social. It's early on for the seniors because a lot of seniors don't want to be out in the evening. So it's from 3.30 to 5.30. People come together and we just gather and have a meal. It's regular potluck any other kind of group would have. And uh, it's, it's a really neat opportunity for people just to meet, mingle. And there are a lot of the people that come to it who don't normally come to the center. But they, that's that one special trip a month that they take to mingle with their friends and get to get to meet other people, new friends. Is there like a, I guess the idea developed, is there like a particular sense of isolation in the older LGBT community? There isn't with some people. With some people, as they've gotten older, a lot of their, either their partners have passed away, their close friends have passed away, and they tend to isolate themselves, as a lot of seniors do in general. But it's even harder within the gay community because a lot of times people are estranged from their families or their children, and they tend to just 
keep to themselves. So this is an opportunity then for, for them just to feel bonding again and get a little spirit. And it, we've, we've had people come in who at first were scared, were nervous, and then we get them where they're calling us like, hey, what's the pot like? What can I bring? I want to be there. Can I? And it's, it's really nice to see them kind of come kind of alive again. Um, the only one correction that I want to make is I don't run the program. I actually am an outreach worker. Okay. There's three of us that work in the program. There's a gentleman named Fred who runs the diner. And I and my coworker named Judy do outreach. The actual program is run by my uh, coordinator called Brittany Birch. She oversees other programs, but that's her program, so I don't lead it. So there's a whole group of people. But there's three of us, yes. That, that so outreach it. means you like you literally go in the community and find people who might benefit from that's this That's exactly program. what I do. I actually visit churches. I visit other community centers. I visit community uh, residential community centers. I let them know about the services in terms of a community center that if they have clients that are gay, that can find a place where they feel comfortable, um, life-affirming. And then if they need other services, then we can help them either direct them through the center or connect them with other organizations that may benefit. So uh, my, my, my judgment, right, and it's totally a judgment. I don't okay. have this data, <laughs> right, but that, that for some older people, there is still a stigma attached to, to being gay. Either the, the stigma is from others looking at them or from themselves that they don't want to out themselves. So here you go to these places and you're like, hey, I have this program for, for gay people. Like, what, what kind of things do you run into? I mean, number one, am I correct? You're actually correct, and, and, it, and it varies. There are some people who are seniors who are okay with it. They'll, they'll tell you, and there are some other seniors that are that are very subtle, and they're, they're scared because of the environment. I can give you an interesting story that since I've been doing this for almost three years, it sticks in my mind. There is a, um, an event hosted once a year called the Texas Hispanic Council on Aging. They do a big event that's for all seniors. It's like a big senior and veteran expo. Uh, I was one of the first organizations, actually I think I may still be the audio organization that's LGTB to, to be there. And they have lots of, of vendors and organizations that come out. Um, when I first came out, there was a gentleman, and I put literature, obviously, that says what we do. And I always get attention because I'm the only table, even though it's seniors, that puts condoms on. We put condoms <laughs> because safe sex. Right. One of the biggest things is that seniors are not aware is that one oh. of the largest group of people getting STDs and even HIV right now are seniors. Because a lot of them live in communities where they may be one male and ten females. And the other part of it is where... Some of those seniors feel comfortable, right? They think, oh, I'm at an age, I'm safe. I'm not going to get you know, exposed to those kind of things. But unfortunately, seniors are one of the largest population right now being exposed and catching STDs. So condoms is a, is a thing on my table. And even though I always run into people say, oh, no one's going to get them, I never leave an event where all my condoms are, are gone. Everything's gone. I'll have people come back <laughs> okay. all and right. say, hey, do you have another extra one? And I always find it funny. Right. Um, but this is one specific gentleman went by my table six times and he kept looking at the literature and saying, no, that's good. So finally he took a couple of minutes, comes to me and he says, I'm gay. And I said, okay. And he said, but nobody knows. And I said, okay. So I gave him my card. I said, if you ever choose to want to talk to anybody, here's my card. I'll be happy to, to talk to you or let you know of some of the things. He goes, okay. He said, I'm really glad that you're here and that this is run. I didn't know about it, but nobody knows. And I said, they're not going to know from me. I'm not going to say anything. But I just found it so funny that he took it six times. It was, it's a big event. So to walk around the table all around to come by to just keep looking to find it where he felt after six times comfortable enough to say, hey, 
I'm gay, just to acknowledge it to somebody. And I felt like there was a kind of relief on his face, like, hey, someone knows, but they're not going to say anything. And and that really kind of in a way broke my heart because I thought, man, to, to think that you're that scared at an event with hundreds of people and you're, <laughs> you're at the table, but... You know, you want to let someone know, but you're still scared, and, and it's okay. It's that okay. makes me a little sad. It is because sad. we have people living out there, maybe in a retirement community, and and what kind of do these folks face? Have you found people who face maybe prejudice from from caregivers, from other residents? What Both. kind of stuffs Both. going on? I uh, actually dealt with the lady who had to put her partner in a residential community home because she needed a lot more help than she could offer her. They'd been together for over 25 years, but they had to go under to pretend that that was her sister she was putting in. And she made a point of never hugging her or doing anything when she visited her because her partner was scared that other people would treat her bad, Some, whether it was staff or other residents. But that that's one of those things that's heartbreaking. Did you think after so many years that you have to pretend because you're worried that the person you're putting in that community may be in danger? And that's sad. I mean, this is 2018, but unfortunately, those things are still happening. So, go ahead. For yourself, as a caregiver um, of your partner, what have you, you know, are there certain things that you had to do to make sure that that he was going to be cared for? Well, um, basically, like, I've learned being a caregiver is like being a parent. You're the advocate, right? Because you're you're concerned to make sure that that person's okay. So it's your job to make sure that you're going to find doctors, therapists, anybody, even whatever kind of services they're going to need. You have to investigate. You have to be able to test those waters, because even in today's age, there was a survey that just came out that at least one of out of four medical professionals still has issues dealing with LGBT patients. Really? Yes. One it was, in it was, four. It's a national survey. It was a national survey. One out of four doctors or medical professionals, I won't say doctors, but people in the medical field still do not know how to communicate and, and they feel uncomfortable, whether it's because of religious reasons, whether they just they just don't feel comfortable. And that's, you know, that's a big, that's a lot. That's a lot. So that's, think of one of four medical stunning. professionals still. Yeah. So you have to, like, part of your job is you got to field out who yeah. these medical professionals yeah, are. I, you have to. And there are a lot of doctors. You, you know, Houston's a big city, so luckily... My partner has a doctor who's who's very well known in the community who helps patients and he cares for them and he's you know very accepting, but not everyone's like that. When my partner was in the hospital, I had to deal with doctors who totally dismissed me, even though I was in the room when they're talking to my partner. I said, "Well, obviously, you know, he's he's not in a good place. Um, you know, I need to, to explain this to me so that I have better understanding." And I actually had one doctor who said, "Well, you're not the patient; he is." And I said, "But I'm his spouse." Uh, just as you would any other any other couple, you would explain to that partner their their concerns and their fears and help them. Why do you feel like you can dismiss me? And he just he just like didn't have anything to say. He really just looked at me for a minute and then said, "Well, uh, we'll get another doctor to come talk to you." And this wow. was at a major hospital. This is not someone. This is a major hospital in the medical center. So, so, I mean, you work in, in, in this field, you are very engaged, so I'm, I'm guessing, right, that you're comfortable fighting for what's yours. Yes. What advice do you have for people who are not, you know, as comfortable or just getting started down that path? Find someone who is, mm. because all hospitals have advocates. You can go and talk to them. You can say, hey, this is my experience. I don't, you know, I understand. I'm not a person, believe me, who likes to cause problems. I will do the best I can to avoid confrontation, but 
when my partner's there and he's ill, it's, I, again, I can see how a parent, even though I'm not a parent, I can only imagine a parent's like, you know what, that's my child. My job is to protect him. And that's how I feel about my partner. I'm very protective. He is, you know, he's my partner that I, I live to take care of him at this point. Right. That is my responsibility. It is, right. you know, one thing that I just actually encountered someone said, well, it's a burden. It's like, no, it's not a burden. It is a luxury that I have my partner. And it is my opportunity to do good for him, like he has done for me, like like any other couple. So, but that happens a lot with people assume that it's a burden when you're having to take care of somebody, and it, and it's not. I would be burdened not to have him in my life, so I'm going to do what I can to to help him and protect him. But yeah, find resources. You can contact the Montreal Center. We'll find someone that can help you. So we'll connect wait, you with other people. Can call and say, hey, I have maybe. Yeah, they can. They can call the Spark Program. Right? And again, one of the things we do is collect data and resources and information, and we'll connect them with people that can help them. So if we can't do it, we'll find somebody. There's a lot of great resources. So they're like volunteers who work for the Montreux Center? We have volunteers. Actually, there's lots of people who volunteer their services to the Montreux Center. Okay. Whether it's helping within the actual building or helping with the programs. But we have lawyers, we have doctors, we have people that, that volunteer their services to be able to help people. Okay, so there, there so are the resources there. out there. So There's okay, lots so of resources. For some of our listeners who maybe don't have anybody, they're listening to this, thinking about their future. Uh, maybe this is a good place where they can get started. Yes, it is a very good place because, like, again, you can come in and just let us know what it is that you need. And, again, if it's something that we can't do in-house, we'll connect you to the right people. I mean, we are, again, it's the fifth largest in the country. where We have resources. We've connected to other organizations. Uh, there's a lot within the city. There's a lot. ARP is, is a good friend of ours who's helped us. Right. Uh, so there's a lot of different places that we can kind of work with you to try to get the help that you need. Okay. Um, are there other LGBT organizations in Houston that also help with seniors, or you guys are the main Actually, ones? we are the only one. We're actually oh, the wow. only one in the entire southeast part of the state because, unfortunately, the program that I mentioned for the, uh, the SPRI, we work with Harris County as far as the meals because we do work with the Baker Ripley um, for the meals. But, unfortunately, within the other counties, we can go and let them know about some of the other services, but... They don't have anybody. There are no other gay organizations out there helping them. Wow. There really is not. I've, I've actually had people, hey, do you know of anything in Galveston? Do you know anything in Brazoria? And it's like, you know what? Unfortunately, there's not that we're aware of. So we really have, and I heard too, I mean, and I, I don't remember the source of that survey, <laughs> but I think it may have been in the paper, but that there, there's a sense also of isolation in rural communities oh, yes. for Even. LGBT people that... that like it, there's even more discrimination and, and much more of a sense of isolation. Yes, because you have you have a lot more people who are traditionally, again, that they're not. It's one of those things that into people vocalize and let people know who they are, and you'll find out a lot of times that they'll be accepted by the community. But that fear factor, I mean, people, especially seniors, they are people who have historically have gone through rough times in their earlier, so they're a lot harder and reticent to be able to come out and say, "Hey, I'm gay." Right. So, yes, it's harder for those areas, but unfortunately, Houston, as big as it is, we're the only place for the seniors. Now, there are other organizations that are social organizations that are out there, but as far as a place where they can come and get services and get the help, we are the only place in Houston. Can people at least, like, give you a call sometimes? People can call us all the time. We've had people call it. I've had someone call asking us to try to find a place for their parent and they lived in new york and they couldn't come to houston and they said well can you give me a name of a place that would be friendly that i can connect my parent to because i can't come to houston 
Okay. So yeah, we we get. So you calls deal with phone. friends and families making the a call lot. on the behalf. Yes, we do. Oh really? Yeah, we do. We get people asking us for the, for those resources. Whether it's again, whether it's a residential community, uh, a, a service that does home care, whether it's a doctor, there are different services that a lot of times we'll get family friends that are calling us asking us, hey, how can you help? So my perception is that things have changed at least a tiny bit for uh, the LGBT community. Do you have, um, um, you know, say retirement homes or so on, who contact you and say, hey, we are LGBT friendly? Does, have you found that happening? I haven't found so much that that happens. I found organizations said, yes, we're willing to. If we don't feel like we have the training, would you come in and do training? And we do that. Okay. We would, for free, we'll go in and do competency training for whether it's a nursing home, whether it's a community center, um, a lot of different places. It's free service that we offer because we obviously want them to be able to, to work with their clients and to be sensitive to those issues, but we do it for free. It's a free training we do. If someone calls and says, hey, I want our staff to be better trained to be able to help, and especially with seniors, what can we do? We'll come out, we'll give them a presentation, we'll let them know some of the services that are out there already and how they can be of better service to their clients. So the most progressive, you would say, uh, facilities seek training for their staff it's not like anybody has declared it right away oh we're finally or whatever it's, no no okay. yeah they'll, they'll, they'll seek our help they'll ask okay. us because we run into places where people say hey you know what no i've actually had a couple of people say you know what we don't offer that we haven't been trained would you come and train us would you tell us how you know how that can happen and we'll let them know yeah we'll come do it for free it's a service we provide for free all right. Well, it's it's time to wrap up. Um, so um, this is all about the time we go. But but before you go, if you had one piece of advice uh, for for caregivers of LGBT folks or for LGBT folks out there, what would it be? One piece. Uh, plan. You know, plan. Get, figure out how you can take care of that person and help them. Reach out, whether, again, it's to to the Montrose Center, whether it's United Way. Reach out to someone and say, hey, this is my situation. How can I best do it? To do a plan. That's what. That's really what I would say is make a plan, get a care support group, get family members, get people to take care of. Because there's always situations where what if something happens to you? Mm-hmm. Who's going to take care of them? So plan ahead. Let people know. And don't be afraid to ask for help. That That's a big thing is ask for help it's okay someone will help you if you just ask okay so you heard um you heard richard here um call for help guys um there are um there is help out there so today we've spoken with richard gamis who is um um uh, who is working for seniors preparing for rainbow years is the spy coordinator at the montrose center and Richard was telling us about his experience and advice for other caregivers out there. Um, to follow up on the Montrose Center resources uh, that Richard mentioned today, go ahead and visit the Montrose Center website. That's www.montrosecenter, in one word, .org, www.montrosecenter.org. And Richard, um, I asked for his phone number early on, and he's kind enough to give it to us here on the air. Richard, what's what's the best way to contact you directly? Through that number and the extensions 378 that I mentioned to you. So the number is 713-529-0037. If you want to talk with Richard directly, ask for extension 378. Yes, ma'am. I'm repeating this number, 713 713- 
529-0037, extension 378. You can also email me. <laughs> I forgot. I'm sorry. Richard, so what's your email? It's rgamez, that's G-A-M-E-Z, at montrocenter.org. Okay, rgamez at montrocenter.org. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your um, to find out more about AARP resources for LGBT families, you can also visit the AARP um, Pride page, which is aarp.org forward slash pride, aarp.org forward slash pride. As always, if you thought this podcast was helpful, or if you have friends or family you are new to caregiving, invite them to follow the Prepare to Care podcast at iTunes, SoundCloud, and at www.arp.org slash HoustonPTC. Take our Prepare to Care podcast survey, help us improve future episodes, or find other caregiving planning resources to help you and your loved ones. Thanks for listening, and as always, thanks for caring.